Hello and welcome to the Brave Business Podcast brought to you by the accounting, tax, audit and advisory firm Blick Rothenberg. Brave by name and brave by nature, this series is different. Aimed at entrepreneurial businesses, we focus on providing market updates, practical guidance, timely insights and professional opinions from industry experts, helping you make informed decisions about your business. I'm Declan Curry, journalist and broadcaster. This year marks the 50th year of full diplomatic relations between the United Kingdom and China. China, of course, the great economic success story of the last 30 years. It's a huge market for British businesses and everything from technology to luxury food products. However, it can be challenging to enter. As a result, many British entrepreneurs are looking to establish relationships with Chinese businesses newly established in the UK as a gateway to China as a market. So what are the key opportunities for UK businesses looking to work with Chinese businesses in the UK? What are the challenges and how can they be avoided? To discuss all of that and to draw out some of the more tantalising insights, uh, we have Blick Rothenberg's head of China desk, Winnie Chow, and that company's audit director, Adam Walbor, and also joined by a senior advisor on China strategy, Jack Yu, from the law firm King & Wood. Malisons. Welcome all three of you to our discussion. Jack, let's start with you. You're our guest uh, on this uh, particular podcast and we've chosen you with great care. Oh, what, thank you. <laughs> what makes you a China expert? You've had such a great uh, sort of experience of, of working there and knowing the country. Yeah, I think um, China born and bred um, to start with and, uh, and dealt with China issues uh, for the last 40 years or so. I hope that experience uh, I wouldn't claim being the world authority, but bring some experience I can uh, bring to the conversation. And your experience of China, you, you'd be much too modest here because you were in the diplomatic service. You've worked at the British Embassy uh, in China as well. So you know it really, really well uh, as a, a diplomat. When we talk about the opportunities in China, what's the scale? Yeah. So talk of China is in no, we, we, we hear, we see the de headlines. Uh, no, the China is the largest uh, export in the world, uh, second largest economy, um, or soon going to um, overtake the USA, uh, depends on which economist you, you listens to. Um, China is still growing, um, uh, uh, slowing down, admittedly, but it's growing above uh, GDP growth above 4%. Uh, looking at us, we are contracting, uh, aging into a recession. So still lots of uh, economic opportunities there. Uh, in the big opportunities, I would also draw attention to of course, we know that China has the largest population in the world, 1.4 billion, but also the growing and increasingly uh, affluent middle class. Uh, some stats say it's about 700 million uh, middle class uh, Chinese people. So I would say that consumerism in China, that 700 million Chinese middle class, their interests, their habits could be an opportunity for British companies looking to a Chinese market. I will bet that there are some entrepreneurs, some businesses listening to this podcast who will see the scale of the opportunity and may actually be a bit daunted by it. It's so big. Uh, China can seem as a, a f almost forbidding yeah. prospect. No, un understandably, prospect. yeah. Sort of, and so far away as well, different culture and language. Um, so I think my job you know, is if I 
uh, largely is twofold. One is to help British companies go into China to the full life cycle of establish yourself, uh, market entry, set up a joint venture, or sometimes get out of China. Uh, the other, on the flip side, so it's, it's a new trend. I think Winnie and others can talk a bit more. Is that there are increasingly more Chinese companies coming to the UK, uh, set up in, in the UK. It might be uh, new partnerships on your home turf uh, to form, or some, sometimes Chinese companies or investors might buy into your, become your equity shareholders. So that presents new opportunities and challenges for British companies uh, here as well. And Winnie, this is when you come into our uh, conversation as well. You're head of the uh, China desk at uh, Blick Rothenberg, and you work with Chinese companies coming to Britain. Yes, day in, day out. <laughs> Um, and I guess my role um, is also twofold. I predominantly serve Chinese businesses and also individuals who come to establishing the UK and invest. But uh, being born and brought up in China, um, I can see the other side of the story as well. So I came to the UK 14 years old, uh, coming to join the Joy for GCSE exams. <laughs> uh, but throughout my career, I've always worked in the UK. So from a career perspective, I feel more um, in line with British businesses who are trying to trade with China. Uh, and through doing that, but also with my Chinese identity, I can always see the opportunities, but also some of the uh, anecdotes and challenges when dealing with China. So I would definitely echo with what Jack says. China does seem very complicated and can be daunting for someone who's always um, set up their business and ride fairly well in the UK and Europe. Uh, but the business culture difference does mean that when they trade directly with, let's say, someone uh, in Shanghai or in Beijing, uh, they may get very lost and puzzled. And this is the, the core of our discussion, is the idea that British businesses that are interested in China can draw on the expertise that exists in Chinese companies in Britain. How do those conversations start? Yeah, exactly. So um, imagine, let's imagine if I were a British business producing luxury uh, tableware. And I want to grab the market of the 700 million people in China by selling my lovely tableware to them. If I were to try to find the right person in Shanghai to help place my tableware onto the high-end department store, it will firstly take a lot of time. And secondly, I may end up with the wrong person and uh, they may not be running the social media promotion in the right way. Instead, if I... Uh, ring a couple of friends and speak with some um, PR agency in London, but it's a bilingual PR agency who knows exactly how Shanghai works and which magazines you can place your advert, and they will know the people who can make your tableware a success story in China. Then, firstly, you save all that time trying to identify the right business partner. Secondly, this bilingual PR agency is likely to know how you operate. So they will make your life easier by speaking your language and not demanding you to go through a, a lot of Chinese business culture ritual, which um, we'll probably come on to later. And you get an access to a phenomenal market. And if I may, I would add, sometimes a British company may find if you are relatively strong in your field, have good products and good name. Sometimes Chinese uh, entrepreneurs may find you. They might approach you because you don't need to be proactive. Well, of course, to be good to be proactive, I was following Winnie's advice. But occasionally or sometimes, you, you quite, quite often, you, you get approaches uh, from Chinese um, entrepreneurs. So it's a two-way conversation. Correct. Um, uh, Adam, I, I get the sense that 
the message so far is it's a great opportunity, it's a great potential, but you can't just blunder in. No, absolutely not. Um, Winnie and I, for example, have a, have a mutual client that is a, a PR agency um, run by two um, Chinese nationals that came to the UK, introduced by an existing client of myself. Um, so they acted as the intermediary, but they've got some very good work with Ch Sham, working in Shanghai because they have the language, they have the skills, they know the cultures and they know the, um, the traditions, but they were approached by a relatively large craft brewery company in the in based in the UK that wanted to increase their prominence and um, their footprint in, in mainland China. And um, they used our intermediary to, to, to do that because of the connection. So you don't need to be all singing or dancing a very large international firm and a large UK based firm. They're just a husband and wife uh, outfit that um, have, have been a good success story um, and almost demonstrates sort of what we're discussing here. Okay, so you need to spot the opportunity. You then need to do your uh, your homework. Winnie, just walk through some of the practical aspects of this with me. How do you, you – know, you are that British company making tableware or whatever else it is. How do you do your market research? How do you find out who your consumers in China might be and what they want. Yeah, sure. I mean, this question in itself probably will uh, have very different answer, but I would say make use of some of the uh, freebie <laughs> information on the table. So there are some very long um, established agencies in the UK, such as China Britain Business Council. They offer these sort of market access information and uh, branches all over China. So they can provide you with some of the living knowledge <laughs> and some know-how. Um, secondly, uh, I think China is at, at a stage where social media's power is uh, very, very great. So again, you could always have these initial one-to-one -one conversation with the market insider and they can probably point out to you, okay, for your uh, part of the market, you may need to uh, have a social media account on WeChat, maybe on Little Red Book, uh, so on and so forth. So I would encourage speaking with someone who is already operating in this industry. What I didn't want to see is, I get this sense, every now and then that there are some fantastic quality uh, British businesses. When they, they think about China, they know it's a huge market, but they're just afraid to make that first step because they are uh, probably uh, making this um, an overly challenge for themselves. But as Adam says, actually, it might be just talking about uh, it might be just to do with talking with a small to medium boutique firm. And there are lots of these boutique firms now in London and beyond because of the sheer number of overseas students from China who has had a higher education here, decide to stay in the UK and bridge between the two countries. So, Jack, again, drawing on the pool of expertise that already exists in the UK about China. Indeed. I think that's, a, to some extent, it's a shortcut. And, of course, if you want to start... Uh, on your own, go to China, lots of money and a cost um, and effort in terms of market research to establish the right links. But why not look at the new model as a sort of low-hanging fruit, if you like, especially I think when you mentioned the, the students' population in the UK, sort of they speak the same language, educated in a British way, uh, have same similar kind of values and, and ethos. So it's probably easier through their connections. Uh, they can be a good channel to, to reach China market. Just trying to think through this as, as someone who might run a business. Again, again the, the practical considerations. How do you manage the supply chain? How do you make sure that your goods or your services can be delivered on the ground? 
How do you make sure you get paid and you get the money back? Talk through, either of you, talk through some of those. I talk about getting paid um, first, I think, because that's often a sort of myth for lots of British companies. There was a, because Chinese RMB is not uh, pegged, uh, you say it's not um, easy to get money out of China. Uh, for example, individual citizens in China every year want to have a quota of 50,000 US dollars uh, of quota to get that exchange to foreign currency. That said, if it's trade-related, what you're talking about mostly is trade-related. It's a different account. If it's trade-related uh, foreign currency, normally Chinese companies can get that change uh, with Chinese banks relatively uh, easily. And then you can get paid um, just like you do transactions with, with France or, or Germany. Would it? Yeah, sure. So on payment, I've actually got uh, some examples. So uh, like um, the, you know, like British businesses, I'm also you know, representing a tax firm uh, in the UK trying to sell tax advisory accounting services to Chinese clients, some of them living in the UK, but a lot of them living in China. Now, they would prefer to pay using their union pay card. Uh, so what I did is actually I spoke with our finance department. In fact, a lot of the payment company and payment solution companies, they could build in that union pay additional feature so I was able to offer to my Chinese clients saying, you can pay by Visa or MasterCard, but if you don't have that sort of international facility, you could still pay using your union pay card. That has been such a popular option that we have been able to offer. So there might be a solution over here. And Adam, alongside any sort of considerations about supply chain and mm-hmm. payment and market research and communicating with customers, you've also got the issue of compliance. Absolutely. So <clears throat> if... Um, let me take um, sort of business cultures first because um, they can also seen as almost like a hurdle for, for, for compliance. So um, we all know about the ways to present business cards, for example, offer handshakes um, and meet somebody for the first time, etc. But the actual... Well, tra- hang on. Let's, let's not assume that we know that. <laughs> Bis- no, that's there's, true. There's a particular way of handing over business cards? There is, yes. So Which is? So um, it's basically holding both sides of the business card, presenting it to the person that you're, you're greeting and bowing, but the, the business cards needs to be also uh, in Chinese and also in English. So you're not just flicking the business you're card not just... as, as we tend to do here. Yeah. You're, you're carefully handing it over using both hands. Yes, you're placing it in, in, in their hands and they are receiving it and it's sort of that mutual respect of here's my sort of offering to yourself as a as a uh, to start the meeting. See, that, but that, that's, that's the point. It, it sounds really trivial, but actually it's mm. about respect it's about understanding yes and that hits on my on my next point really um the, the chinese business culture is is built on a, a sort of a, a, an ancient chinese uh, philosophy known as confucianism um if i said that correctly uh, Winnie, um which is based on the values of solidarity loyalty modesty and and courtesy and in the uk a lot of our meetings tend to be transactional based we'll meet a client this is the tax this is the audit this is the the service here's a letter of engagement let's let's move forwards whereas um in china it's all about building the relationship and earning the respect of the processes involved and it's a slow burn to get to the to the end you will get to the end the transaction is almost assured but it's it's understanding those cultural differences and um and understanding those soft skill sides um, and the sort of the return versus investment equation, because it 
it can seem it's quite trivial to the UK. Why are they? Why do we need to go down these routes? But actually. It's a long-term relationship that you're forging. And Winnie, this is something I've heard from other businesses that are ex- British businesses that are experienced yeah. uh, in operating in China. It can take a really long time, yeah, to develop those relationships, and you've got to do it in person. Exactly, and sometimes I do feel for、um, those UK businesses because, firstly, it can seem a long time. A lot of efforts are put in, and they don't have the certainty that the deal can be done. So, to give you an example, I'm very often asked by clients who. Newly arrived from China, who still expect me to act in the Chinese way, probably spend hours with them in afternoon tea. They may secretly hint that they expect some sort of personal favor. For instance, do a piece of translation、uh, for one of their messages.、Uh, however, there is no guarantee at that point that they will surely sign up a contract with me. Now, I would say we have to. Take things um, with um, stock. So, if you sense this is a great opportunity,、uh, then perhaps you you do have to leave some space for your patients and、um, do not expect a handshake after、uh, one meeting that the deal is done. However, if you think it is not a opportunity you ultimately go for, then I I still think everyone you know our time is limited. Let's cherish our time. Maybe make it clear to your Chinese business、uh, partner saying, look, I'm ultimately looking for this. Is that At all possible. If there is no chance, then you know, let's just have a friendly conversation about it.、And、so just, that's my take. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> just following up on that, our recent conversation with with a lady who who came to us about、um, looking for accountancy services, and we said we would come back to you and and and、um, and quote for that.、Um, but then her immediate response was, "Well, well I, I'm kind of expecting this to be pro bono because I've got so many Chinese contacts and my black book is so big that I."、Uh, I will pay you in in referrals, and、uh, we quite rightly said, actually, no.、Um, in the UK, we've got certain compliance and regulatory obligations here, so it's a、uh, respect is a two way street when it comes to these conversations. That's, that's a really important point, Adam. I think sometimes a lot of what we're talking about. I was just a caveat is is gen, huge generalization. There's no uniform Chinese way of doing business. Like there's no uniform one way of、uh, British way of doing business. We're sort of quite to characterize the Chinese way or culture.、Uh, largely, they are true, but they are sometimes the the, the, the differences or, or nuanced approach.、Uh, so, so I think what, what Adam said, you, you sometimes have to push back as well. You can't just、uh, count out the Chinese way. You have to have your standards, British way of doing things.、Uh, have regulations. Rules here, but be able to feel you can push back politely and、uh, make sure you, you don't compromise your way、uh, too much.、Uh, at the risk of falling into another stereotype,、uh, anything I've been told also includes the need to save face. That if you're delivering bad news or a refusal, you can't just say nah. Yeah, I think yeah. Again, yeah, and say it's a stereotype. Depends. I think it's nuance. Depends on who you're dealing with.、Um, now, if the younger generation, sometimes I have, I have said, I have declined、um, younger Chinese.、Uh, different generations and also different backgrounds. I think you 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 take a deeper analysis to understand the person you're de- you're dealing with.、Uh, just sometimes follow your instinct、uh, rather than there's the rule book. You have to do A B C.、Uh, I think that, that, that's normally that that that's that'll be. Correct. Is there a lot of hierarchy in the culture? Is there sort of a an esteem given to older members of the business community? You can't be quite so offhand with that. Correct. By and large, I think the Chinese、uh, respect the elderly, and especially in in state-owned、uh, 
businesses you deal with, and there's quite a lot of, uh, it's almost opera, a government department. Uh, there's a, normally someone wise and old, uh, sometimes don't say much, but they are actually behind the scene making the decision. So that's one of the things I think, being Chinese, you're able to sort of navigate to say what's really happening, not just on the surface, but navigate who's actually, uh, where the power lies, who's actually the decision maker, uh, how you get to that p- person. Yes, who is the important person in the meeting? Is it the person doing all the talking or the person who's saying nothing at all? I want to say something in between. <laughs> I think, yeah, it depends. Again, yeah. Um, the this relationship building, so that that may be an element of the culture that comes as a, a bigger surprise for British business is the need for patience, the need for time, that it can't be straightforward, transactional, and you, you're talking about things like what? Lots of meals, lots of meetings, uh, family visits. Is how important are things like that? You're laughing. You think, yeah, I, I, you I, think I, I've fallen into I another stereotypical lots pit. Of drinking as well. Oh. <laughs> That's a bajo. <laughs> yeah, spirit. The rice wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, uh, while we don't want to overgeneralize, uh, it can uh, go in, let's say, a spectrum between one and 100. The bigger the contract, the deal, and the uh, stronger you want to build the relationship, you could go that extra mile to do family visit over a weekend, uh, which I know a lot of my British colleagues will probably feel it's very strange. Uh, we Intrusive normally, almost, yes. Yeah, like mm. we usually have a strong boundary between our work life and personal life, whereas in China, I think that boundary is a lot of the time blurred, uh, and we are used to that. Um, and... Uh, in order to build the relationship, obviously everyone has their own uh, way, but typically face-to-face interaction uh, wins it all. Uh, and over lots of meals, indeed. Uh, and in some and good food. <laughs> and very good food. In some, uh, I remember once I was um, trying to win a still my top uh, client. I went to China on business trip. That was three years ago, before COVID. And uh, ceremonially, they invited me to uh, dinner and I knew what was going to uh, happen. There were lots of rice wine uh, and uh, I had to uh, cheer to the most senior leader. Uh, and then after that, the deal was closed without any issue. It's almost a ceremonial. They didn't expect me to drink lots and lots, but it, they almost feel it's part of the um the, the whole process so that they can fully trust that you are someone they understand and you understand them. That trust is pivotal to to the Chinese business culture. Gaining that trust, knowing how to address the emails. In the UK, you just address an email maybe to the lady first and then the gentleman. But it's having that hierarchy and knowing who is the, the president, the vice president and the assistants. And, and, and as I say, the trust is, is absolutely key. Then I think it might be useful to think about when we talk about Chinese business, we seem to know what we're referring to, but it might be useful to break it down to largely two uh, types. One are Chinese businesses in the UK established by UK-based, maybe Chinese background individuals, such as the PR agency we talked about. They're entrepreneurs. They're very likely to have had a a UK or English-speaking country's higher education. Um, So they may be able to um, build relationship directly with you, make decisions, and things may probably all run uh, towards the British style of business dealing. However, there is also a a very important part of the Chinese business that we talk about, which are the subsidiaries, branches and representative office of Chinese-owned conglomerate or groups um, from China. 
Now, when you are talking about partnerships, sometimes dealings with、uh, those companies may take slower because they may need to report back to their back office. You may need to still have a trip to、uh, China to gain the trust、uh, with the headquarters to, to make sure that your business relationship is absolutely smooth. It occurs to me that there is an imbalance of knowledge and understanding. That the the scale of the Chinese market is so、mm-hmm. huge. If you are a small British entrepreneur or a small British business, and you're putting your toe in the water for the first time, it it comes back to that point about it feeling very forbidding. It does, and I think that's where、um, the likes of our, ourselves in in the in the room and and the use of intermediaries、um, and having somebody almost hold your hand to to dip your toe in the water before you take the plunge because. As Winnie said earlier, there's a wealth of information on on, on government websites and、um, doing research. Even if you look at some of the the larger banks, you go on their websites and and they've got pages and pages dedicated to、um, how to free free information to go into the Chinese market and just、um, the business cultures that 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 I've noted down and, we, and we've discussed, just so that people are aware of them、um, and then can try and make those decisions to try and balance that imbalance if if you can. Just going back a bit to to what. What what you mentioned earlier, and all of the differences in business cultures and things.、Uh, I think it's fair to say now that we're second dealing with second or third generation Chinese nationals, and the Western way of working, be it right or wrong, has has started to infiltrate a little bit,、uh, and they're becoming more and more.、Um, Agreeable to some of the Western business practices.、Um, so, whilst I don't want to scare the listeners by saying we, we've got Confucianism, you've got the hierarchy, you've got risk aversion, you've got trusting all of that, gift giving and ceremonial practices. A lot of them now, a lot of a lot of meetings now are、um, done slightly more on the Western side of ways. Jack, you were nodding. I, no, I was also going to just say, yeah. If you want your audience to to relax, don't hear all the <laughs> pitfalls. Of how, how, if, are you sure you the,、uh, receive the business card properly? Yeah, actually, for British companies,、uh, the Chinese people would normally, as long as you show, make an effort show, to show your respect, you, you you are making an effort. They normally give allowance. I think just play your foreigners card. Just say,、uh, uh, uh, just being、uh, sorry. I, I didn't know that. I made a mistake. They normally give you allowance.、Um, no, they wouldn't offend you. Would, they wouldn't be offended if the genuine business arrangement between you. And a, a, a wise gentleman、uh, I knew had a trip to Shanghai one time and took a load of、uh, clocks over yeah, there, no, <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't they? So that, that's that's a no-no. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Clocks are, <laughs> clocks are forbidden as gifts.、Uh, well, clock by itself is okay. But gifting clock to friends is a very, carries a very bad message. So yeah, please, if best, you ever think best, about that, best avoided. Yes, <laughs>、um, the there are lots of things that Britain makes that Britain can do that China wants that China finds、mm. attractive.、Yeah. What have we got to offer that's really going to sing? Sure. So actually, there are research about it.、Um, so I'm quoting maybe some stats and information from the latest Toying Tracker report, which looks at Chinese businesses、um, investing in the UK and what they are kind of looking at.、Uh, you see a trend where the, they're looking at the healthcare, medical, pharmaceutical. Consumer brands and also education sector, as well as some of the rising AI technologies. You can also see some of the trophy brands that the Chinese businesses love. So, as of the latest,、uh, you may have read on the news that Leaning, a famous Chinese sports brand, have acquired Clarks.、Um, 
our you know very great shoes brand. You also see Royal Exchange, uh, now owned by Fossum Group. Uh, so I think Richmond does carry a cultural brand, uh, and you may know this, but Downton Abbey uh, was broadcasted in China and it's hugely popular, uh, hugely. So that uh, then brings all the uh, British culture, the etiquette. So that's why I mentioned the tableware just as example because uh, the British afternoon tea, strangely, you know, tea is from China originally, but British afternoon tea is now an export. Is this, is this how they think we live? <laughs> that we're just, we're just a, lo- a, a whole long episode of Downton Abbey from one day to the next. Yeah, because I know there are very, very many Americans who think yes. that's how. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> People love a bit of costume drama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it's not real. Uh, but sometimes it's good to have a bit of escapism, uh, if you like. Uh, I just say, um, following up from Winnie's um, uh, view, I think going back to the opportunities, is, I think Britain has a huge... Uh, soft power uh, and a huge brand. Britain is perceived as being cool and British products and education and the services, etc. Um, uh, going back to the point about the Chinese middle class, that consumerism, I think, is really need, uh, how we British companies can uh, share uh, opportunities of that. Let's give you an example. Uh, when I grew up in China, so in the late 70s or early 80s, um, the Sort of when you go to a wedding, uh, the, you want someone wants to get married. You need to have three pieces. Do you know what the three pieces are to qualify no. to get married? No. So a, a man in order to get married to qualify to get married, he, he has to present to the uh, bride's family. He's got three pieces ready. So they are a watch, and a bicycle, and a sewing machine. So that's sort of say you're affluent enough in eight, early eighties to to have a afford a middle class family. I'm guessing nowadays it needs to be something a bit more substantial. A lot, a lot more. Yeah, I think you have to. I think the new three pieces. You have to have a apartment, which in Beijing, Shanghai, can be a three-bedroom apartment can be over a million pounds. That you have to afford that. A very expensive car, and a, and a lavish presents. And the point of this is to illustrate the almost unbelievable transformation of China's economy Indeed. in little more than Indeed. a generation. And that demand for Western food, uh, goods and uh, services and the, the hunger for, for, for that to con- consume and buy stuff. Let's get some top tips. Things that you need to do to be successful in China, things to avoid, common mistakes that can be avoided easily. I think you need to do, I think uh, colleagues have alluded to a lot, I think it's about Again, I use that phrase, due diligence. You really prepare yourself. You do research to understand who you're dealing with, uh, um, what is it really uh, standing for. I think uh, really uh, a lot of free, you don't have to spend lots of money, lots of uh, uh, China British Business Council, or uh, wearing my old hat, hat uh, the China, uh, British Embassy, uh, the commercial section, Department for International Trade, offers lots of uh, free advice and resources. Do that due diligence. Um, it's, it's worthwhile. Um, but I will pause here. I'll, I'll you chipping before I come back. Sure. I've got a tip which um, may be something that people have thought about. But some British businesses are starting to take interns um, from UK universities uh, of those who speak Mandarin. That's uh, obviously that doesn't equate to getting a very insightful business consulting advice. But it could be a way for the intern to do some market research for you. Uh, assess the feasibility, and it's a great way to learn firsthand uh, their network and what they could bring to the business. I think for myself, it's um, understanding the 
cultures. Understand the traditions first and then mould that towards the audience that you're addressing. And then um, you can't then put a foot wrong, hopefully, because you, you know where the starting point is and you can only gain trust and gain respect from that from that point. Jack, is it worth the effort? Of course. I, I'm biased, of course. <laughs> uh, it's worth the effort. Um, Ex- expertise, not bias. Expertise, yes. <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, as I said, there's lots of support. It's not as daunting as you, you, you think. Uh, you get lots of support. Uh, if you do that correctly, you will... Um, Financially, hopefully, it's rewarding, um, but even culturally, it's it just it's an experience to experience different uh, a way of living, different food, as I mentioned. Um, yeah, it's a life enriching, if you like. And give lots of gifts, but don't give clocks. Exactly. <laughs> give clock shoes next time. Absolutely no clocks. Even without a clock, we know that the time is up on this uh, fascinating discussion. Thank you very much to uh, Winnie, Adam and to Jack for uh, your uh, input. I'm Declan Curry. This has been the Blick Rothenberg Brave Business Podcast. Thank you so much for being part of our conversation.